It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today, I tell you just how feeble the Vikings defensive tackles have been. And Miles Gaskin, down to the practice squad. What does that mean? We'll tell you about it on today's Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome in. Happy Wednesday. I'm Sam Ekstrom. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on X, and that's Luke Inman, right-hand man, at Luke underscore Spinman. We're talking Vikings on today's Minnesota football party, the mailbag edition. No Reggie Wilson today. He's got other obligations. The Care 11 sports director usually joining us Wednesdays and Fridays. But Luke and I will wrap Vikings for the next 40 minutes or so. Glad you joined us. Please subscribe on YouTube. We would appreciate that on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. Find our audio free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Minnesota Football Party, when we have the big roundtable show, that audio goes on the Lockdown Vikings feed, so make sure you find it there. We'll also have a 24-7 live stream coming to the News On app any day now. We're very excited about that here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Luke Inman, man, the Vikings are 0-3. How's your energy about this team? Are you you hanging in there so far? Yeah, I mean, listen, one of the reasons we love the NFL, Sam, there's so much parity every year. Any team can go from worst to first and vice versa. That's exactly, obviously, what we're seeing right now with the Vikings. We know they got historically lucky last year. And sure, it wasn't all luck, but you can't break the NFL record going 11-0 in those one-score games without a little bit of luck on your side, the ball bouncing your way from time to time. Now this year, it's like all the karma is reverting back to the mean, and the problem is they haven't gone from super lucky to just normal average lucky, middle of the pack. They've gone, Sam, from super lucky to incredibly unlucky, almost to like epic proportions at this point. I mean, their win probability added via luck, and crazy that that's actually a stat that somebody Mm – can actually sift through and look up. But last year was fifth in the league, Sam. This year, through three weeks, the Vikings, they're dead last. 32nd in the NFL when it comes to luck added right now. So the shift from going top five to worst in the league, I mean, yeah, it's been super tough to watch. And the craziest part is they've still been in all these games, Sam. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest takeaway. I mean, teams with the worst win probability via luck added in the league should be getting blown out every game. Yet, They've lost on the last possession, essentially, in all three games. That's almost crazier than the goofy luck stuff that's sometimes kind of out of their control. So if anything, I think to me, that just proves without a doubt, this is not a bad team, like the record maybe indicates. Maybe the roster isn't as good as it was last year, especially on defense. We know they they lost a ton of core veteran leaders and all that, but it's still a team that's got a ton of talent at some of the most important positions you can have, premium positions. And if they can just start 
to hold on to the football. My goodness. I think they'll start racking up some of these wins here soon because, you know, I guarantee you this too. All this tank for Caleb talk, as much as I want Caleb Williams, don't get me wrong, it's all going to be a mute point by week 10, 11, 12, 13. They'll have some W's banked up by then, and they'll still be within reach uh, of the Packers and the Lions, those final three games. We know the end of the season with Lions, Packers, Lions. I'm calling that right now. So, yeah, terrible Mm -hmm. luck so far. The football gods, you know, they're a fickle bunch. But don't fool yourself. This is still a good football team. Maybe not great, definitely not elite, but they're too good not to win seven, eight, nine games by the time this thing's all over. It starts this week, taking care of the football, taking care of business in Carolina. Yeah, I think your goal is this, Luke. You want to be 500 by the time that final three-game stretch hits you. Mm-hmm. Detroit, Green Bay, Detroit. So can you go seven and four? Are there seven wins in the next 11 for this team to attain? Just take the long approach. You can beat Carolina. You can beat Chicago. You can beat the Falcons. You can beat the Saints. You can beat the Broncos. You can beat the Bears. You can beat the Raiders. There's your seven. I mean, there are seven, and those are just the most winnable games. I haven't given you the the tougher games, the Packers, the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Bengals. Those are the four losses. But if you win the games that you are are clearly good enough to win, you can get there. And if you're seven and seven with three division opponents to come, a chance to run the table to get to 10 wins. I think that you would take that off of an 0-3 start. If we're spinning it positively, that's your path to a relevant December. And that I mean, you got to lower the expectations, Luke. No one's running away with the division anymore, right? It's going to be a dogfight. If this team's going to make the playoffs, it's going to come down to probably the final week when you start 0-3. So can the Vikings do it? Yes, Uh, And it starts this week against the Carolina Panthers. We go to the mailbag with a Panthers-related question from Colin Olson. Who should the Vikings be more worried about seeing Sunday? Bryce Young or Andy Dalton? Bryce Young, Luke, of course, got the first two weeks, both losses. Andy Dalton got last week, another loss for Carolina. And I would argue that that is a bad 0-3 team. If the Vikings are a good 0-3 team, the Panthers are a bad 0-3 0-3 team. They have not looked impressive in those losses. They've been playing from way behind. Uh, they've scored a lot of garbage time points, gotten a lot of garbage time yards. Uh, do you have a read on which quarterback you'd rather face in this game if you're a Vikings fan? I, I think, you know, I'm a Bryce Young fan. I watch a ton of tape coming out like I do every year, big draft guy, and I know he started out the gate super slow. I still think he's going to be a legitimate starter, kind of a playmaker, live up to that number one overall pick in this league once they get him some actual weapons, some better O-line play, um, you know, maybe maybe a, a good tight end next year in the draft. He needs more weapons right now. Just to go through this steep learning curve, going from the college game to the pros, this is normal, man. I mean, Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, look up all those guys' stats in year one. They all struggled. But right now, he's the guy you want to play if you're the Vikings. Andy Dalton, on the other hand, I get it. His ceiling is far lower than a guy like Bryce Young, but the floor right now is way higher. I mean, you're talking about a, he's a veteran quarterback. He's been in the league nearly a decade. We saw last week, he can still run an NFL offense and run the ball up and down the field. I mean, the Panthers were winning that halftime. I don't know if you caught any of that afternoon game versus the Seahawks. Panthers were up by like 11 to 10, 12 to 10, something like that at halftime. So he may be one of the better backups in the entire league. He's that good and and more competent to come up and put up some points, I think, than Bryce Young right now. I mean, it was only a year ago 
which which actually just sounds kind of crazy, but it was only a year ago. He brought us down to the wire in London, gave his kicker mm-hmm. a chance to win it at the end. That game was inches from a Vikings loss. Instead, we know the uh, you know how it all played out. The double doink, Vikings squeak out alive in London. So he brought us down to the wire just last year. We beat him the year before that when he was on that terrible Chicago Bears team the last week of the season. A lot of guys just kind of clocked out at that point. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that. And then in 2020, if you remember, he beat us on prime time with the Cowboys. He, he th- put up, I think, three touchdown passes. So in a perfect world, I think the guy you want is Bryce Young in what would be you know his third start ever um, versus Savvy Vet, whose track record against you has shown he, he's more than capable to steal a win or two on any given week. He didn't look, I don't think, that bad or that rusty versus the Seahawks, Sam. Um, especially mm-hmm. he had a little connection or rapport going with our guy Adam Thielen, who specifically cooked last week. That's going to be a fun storyline all week. Not just the battle of these two 0-3 teams, but the Thielen revenge game factor. That's <laughs> going to be awfully entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah, Andy Dalton is that backup who seems to find his way onto teams where the starting quarterback always gets hurt. So Andy Dalton stays sharp. He gives you a little a little something every single year. There's always an Andy Dalton game, and it seems to always land when they play the Vikings. But I agree with you. I think that Andy Dalton, people are have been saying, well, Andy Dalton is a statue. The Blitz will get to him more easily than it did to Justin Herbert, for instance. But I also think that Andy Dalton knows what to do against the Blitz, maybe a little better than Bryce Young would, who's probably never seen that type of blitzing before and might be a little overwhelmed by it. I know he's more mobile. He might be able to escape it a little more easily. But in the long run, I think that you worry sometimes about those veterans who know exactly where to go with the football when they face pressure. And that would be Andy Dalton. Uh, Bryce Young, on the other hand, you pressure him. He's been very mistake prone in the early season. In his two weeks, he was third in turnover-worthy plays. He's been a little careless with the football and kind of inaccurate. I think the Vikings could take advantage of that. So I would like to see the rookie Bryce Young. I mean, number one, I just want to see how he looks watching him every single play because I'm intrigued by the number one pick. But I also think he gives the Vikings a little better chance to win the football game. Um, Adam Thielen, you mentioned. Let's just touch on that. How are we feeling now three weeks in to this season now without Thielen Addison in the mix Thielen out of the mix Osborne the number two receiver how are you feeling about that arrangement now without Thielen compared to maybe how you felt prior to the season well knowing just what a staple Adam Thielen was here for so many years uh, I think we've got about as smooth a transition as we could have possibly hoped for like knock on wood Jordan Addison only continues to look better and better, more comfortable in an NFL offense. You can get into the, you know, the nuances of who should be the two, who should be the three right now. Is it KJ Osborne who, yeah, maybe doesn't have the, you know, the finesse and the star power, but the run blocking alone last week was phenomenal by KG Osborne. There's some, some, you know, down and dirty things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet that KJ Osborne is giving you right now. So that's a, a whole nother conversation. But as far as losing Thielen and replacing him with the first round pick in Jordan Addison, I think it's about, been about as smooth of a transition as anybody could have hoped for. And I think it's only going to get better and better too. You get to hit the reset button and go from a 33 year old veteran to a 23 year old rookie. And 
more importantly, too, I think Kwesi's done so much work trying to clean this cap out. Adam Thielen's contract, as much as we all love him, and who knows, maybe he comes back in two years and retires a Viking. Maybe we get one or two more seasons out of him. But that contract was so inflated at the end, Sam. I think he was due close to $20 million, and there's just no way you could have justified that. To go from that inflated contract to a rookie salary in Jordan Addison, um, I, I think you just got the best of both worlds there. And obviously, we all hope the best for Adam Thielen. I think he's shown he's still got some gas left in the tank over there in Carolina. Um, but I think, uh, again, smoother transition as you could have hoped for. And I think it's only going to get better and better as the season goes on. Hey, I think you feel so comfortable in the succession plan for Osborne, too. Seeing what you've seen from totally. Addison, knowing that Osborne could be out the door after this year. Um, and we could even see that that passing of the baton happen midseason where Addison's out snapping Osborne. I know Osborne's the run blocker, but Addison though seems like more of a playmaker than Osborne at this point, and he's so early in his career. And, and, um, and I know, too, you take that one step further. Okay, well, who's going to be the three then next year? I know he's been hurt, but you were the first person to tell us back in OTAs and training camp, Jalen Naylor is like stealing the show. And sure, maybe he's starting out to the gate slow here. I don't know how long he'll be on the IR and things like that. But he seems like the perfect transition to scoop into that wide receiver three role if and when K.J. Osborne does depart in free agency next offseason. So they've got some contingency plans, some plan B and plan C going on on the roster already, which feels good knowing that, oh, we don't have to go into next offseason and we have to find our replacement, whether it's free agency or the draft and quickly get somebody up to speed, which is a tough ask in this NFL. Plenty more to come here, including a curious roster move. I've got some jarring stats about the Vikings defensive tackle play. Um, but first, I'm going to tell you about Door Dash. You get the itch sometimes at night. It's 8 p.m. You want a little snack. You want to get something to tide you over until the morning. So you open up the DoorDash app and you get your favorite restaurant food delivered right to you. It is so convenient. It is so easy to use. And it's not just restaurant food. It's grocery delivery as well. You can stock up for the week. Or maybe you have a last-minute craving. Uh, you've got some you know, recipe you're trying to make, but you need that one ingredient that's going to really stir the drink. Use DoorDash. Get it straight to your door. And you can get even better value with a $0 delivery fee on eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership easy substitutions too if, if stores don't have something and if there is some kind of mix-up they will make it right guaranteed get 50 percent off your first doordash order up to 20 dollar value when you use the code locked at checkout limited time offer terms apply 50 percent off up to 20 dollars no minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the doordash app in the app store and enter code locked don't forget code locked for 50 percent off your first order with DoorDash. Before we get back to the mailbag, Luke, a little breaking news just dropped. This comes on the heels of a, a curious roster move yesterday. Miles Gaskin was cut after three games. Now, today he was re-signed to the Vikings practice squad. His Viking, what was your favorite moment from the Miles Gaskin era? Oh, boy. So many to choose from, Sam. I don't know if we have enough time. I mean, there was the first uh, special team snap that he had, and then that's there right. Was the Who second, could forget the Who second forget special that? team snap that he had, and and that was it. Now, important to note, he does qualify for the immaculate grid 
because he did play uh, in a game. So if you it, the, the the Dolphins Vikings crossover there, if you find that on your immaculate grid, Miles Gaskin would be a an excellent excellent choice. Are you still a daily diehard? I got to get back into it, man. I love that game. I am. It's a a little bit of a time waster for me, actually. I, oh, I spend, definitely. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Don't sugarcoat it. All right. I do the football. I do the baseball occasionally do the basketball, but I'm not very good at it. Um, got to have Timberwolves in there, I think, to have a chance. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I love it. But I, I'm, I'm trying to, to wrap, my, wrap my arms around what exactly this was. Like, we, we talked this up as maybe the new RB2, and it obviously was not that. I, my guess as to what purpose Gaskin served, he was a body in your building for purely insurance purposes until Kane Wangwu got back. And based on his IR stint, he could be back for the Chiefs game. This is his last week on the IR if they want to bring him back off of that right away. So maybe that's good news for Kane. Maybe it means Kane is coming back next week. But then they get Akers in the building, and apparently they value him considerably more than Gaskin because Gaskin immediately became expendable. So now you've got... McBride on the practice squad, Gaskin on the practice squad, maybe Kane coming back off the IR. It's all it's all a very curious shuffle, Luke, because they brought in Gaskin, didn't use him. We thought they would. Now they bring in Akers via trade. He was inactive the first game. Is he going to suffer the same fate, or is he going to play? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with the running backs, Luke. Yeah, we knew once we let go of Dalvin Cook, like, okay, this is going to look a lot different than what we're used to. And that's fine. Like, the new trend clearly shows running back by committee, these big, heavy rotations. It's clearly the blueprint now. So that's cool. But it's still foreign territory to all, all of us. You know, the media, the fans, the coaches, everybody alike, after rolling with Dalvin Cook the last five straight years and having that just one-headed monster. Um, it's still kind of a trial and error, it seems like, Sam. They're still trying to figure it out. I think if you were to ask them, they still don't have a concrete plan. Obviously, Madison and Ty Chandler are your top two, but I think you're right. I think you hit it right on the head. Gaskin felt like, for me, more than anything – just some insurance on special teams because remember at the time it was still very up in the air. Once Kenny was put on the IR and, and, and hurt for those three, four weeks that who's going to be back there returning kicks and possibly punts as well. Brandon Powell obviously ended up winning that punt job, but kick return guy, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Ty Chandler? Is it going to be Brandon Powell who doesn't really take a lot of kickoffs, uh, you know, on his resume for the most part, that was confusing. It felt like they needed a third option, a third body. Um, It just happened to be a running back at that point. um, And a guy that they thought that could come in and at least be another body on the depth chart for this running back rotation. Now what's going to happen with Cam Akers? I don't know, man. Your guess is as good as mine. You mentioned that they still got everybody's draft crush, Dwayne McBride, chilling on the uh, uh, practice squad as well. He seems like more of a long-term solution than anything. Probably won't see or hear his name pending, knock on wood, any type of injuries this year. Probably won't see or hear his name till 2024 in the mix. But um, it felt like the Cam Akers bit just from the get-go was, you know what? We're basically getting him for free. What could it hurt? At this point, our running game has been atrocious, dead last in the league through those first two weeks. Obviously, they looked a little bit better last week, but at the time they acquired Cam Akers for basically nothing, for basically free, um, it was just one of those risk-reward situations where it's like, hey, he's familiar with my offense. 
He's going to know the verbiage and be able to pick up this stuff rather quickly. What could it hurt at this point? Why not? Sure, let's do it. So, unfortunately, Gaskin gets the short end of the stick there, um, but I think it made the most sense just from a roster-building standpoint for Kwesi. Yeah, this is my new philosophy with the Vikings, Luke. I'm not going to give my heart away to a backup running back. I feel like I just get I get too hurt. It hurts. I fall in love with, with Mike Boone, and they don't use him. I fall in love with Ty Chandler. And they don't use them. Um, I just I don't hey, want to see that anymore. I mean, we we were both pounding the table for Kenny last year. He's hey. kind of a mystery up to this point. We don't know what's going on with him. Rock Thomas. There's tons of them. AJ Rose. I loved them all so much. Uh, back to the mailbag we go from Eric. Which of our two offensive guards has played better through three weeks? So I I think that the answer is obvious, but. If you look at the PFF grades, it's maybe not as obvious as you would assume. Ed Ingram, while he is second worst in the league in pressures allowed, Luke, his run grade actually bolsters him quite a bit. Uh, he had a really good game in the run again uh, in run blocking against the Chargers. He is ranked 24th overall amongst guards, which is kind of mind blowing. What? Twenty? Yeah, 24th. Wow. But pass block grade is not good. 61st out of 79. Now, Ezra Cleveland, sneakily, Luke, having an all right start to the year. No sacks allowed through three games, ranked 10th overall of the league's guards. That's a pretty good start for Ezra Cleveland in a contract year. I think that it it clearly demonstrates that if a guard is getting replaced for Reisner, it's got to be Ingram. I mean, without a doubt, it's got to be Ingram, right? I think so, man. Uh, again, you got some PFF stats in front of you. I'll just say this. Just from sitting down and watching the tape like I have, Ed Ingram's lows, as you mentioned, are still really low. And they can be absolute killers at times, especially, obviously, in the passing game. But he has had, as apparently your stats prove, he's had, if you go back and watch the tape, a handful of plays in almost every game that makes you understand why the dude was drafted in the second round. I mean, his run blocking at times has been downright nasty. He's throwing 300-pound defensive tackles to the ground. He's bullying dudes from time to time. And actually, I thought last week was maybe his best week as a pro, like ever, going back mm -hmm. to last year, which, you know, that's awfully tough now because it's like, well, we got Reisner in the building now to probably take over for him. So what do you do? The guy's coming off his best game maybe ever in his career. Now are you going to replace him? Do you ride the momentum, see if he can stay hot, continue to get better? Um, the only way he's going to get better, Sam, is if he keeps playing and keeps getting these live reps and learning and developing and progressing through his own mistakes. So do you stick with him or do you call it quits 20 games into his career? Ezra, on the other hand, you kind of mentioned it just based off the eye test. He's been a little inconsistent, <clears throat> excuse me, for sure. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, you know, he's been great, but I don't think he's been bad by any means either. I mean, week one, if I remember versus the Bucks, probably his worst game, but the last two weeks, he's been combo blocking his butt off. He's been solid in the run game. And I know he gave up three pressures last week. I don't think he's given up a sack through the first three weeks. So I don't know. It's tough, man. Yeah. I think Ezra has been more consistent, gives you the higher floor. Engram, he has shown some flashes though of brilliance. Granted, it's only in the run game. But they've been probably too inconsistent, I think. Ingram, I'm, I'm talking about his inconsistencies to say he's the overall better blocker than Ezra Cleveland at this point. I did notice, too, speaking of guards, 
So Ed Ingram is second in pressures allowed this year at the guard position. Mm. 13 pressures allowed. Wow. Carolina, the upcoming opponent, has a guard by the name of Chandler Zavala. North Carolina State, right? Rookie? Uh, Maybe two years ago. Impressive that you know that. Chandler Zavala has allowed 24 pressures. Wow. He has a pass block grade of six. And he allowed 14 alone against Seattle. Wow. And Holy he was uh, smokes. fifth round pick. Uh, sorry, fourth round pick <clears throat> this year. Rookie. Fourth round um, pick. I don't know if you got the stats in front of you, but I just remember watching that game. Carolina's offensive line had so many false start penalties. That 12th man Seattle crowd factor was was absolutely killing them. And maybe it was Iki Aquanu, the top 10 pick from last year. I'm not sure. But one of those offensive linemen, maybe it was Chandler, had to have had at least three false start penalties that game as well. So just as a whole, yeah, Chandler, not not great, obviously. But just as a whole, that Carolina O-line has, has not done Bryce Young or Andy Dalton any favors thus far this year. I'm seeing eight penalties on their offense in that game. Tommy okay. Tremble, one. Taylor Moten, two. Ikem Ekwanu four and Zavala with one. So eight. Four. Eight. Four false starts by that dude. Unbelievable. Ugh, wow. Not great. Yeah. They uh they lost that game, by the way. Hey, they did they not they did it. not they and you said they were winning too, which is kind of insane. All right, Luke. Uh, this this deserves another breaking news buzzer. I am writing again. I am writing actual stories. For a website, which I, I think I forgot how to do it, so I wanted to prove to myself that I could, but zonecoverage.com, the old uh, the old place where we used to work. Uh, love Tom Schreier over there, but I'm writing the Viking stories for zonecoverage.com now once a week. Check it out on Wednesdays. Here's what I wrote for today. The Vikings have neglected the defensive tackle position for a decade now, Luke, and this is part of the reason why they're having the issues that they're having. So let me highlight three stats for you, and then you can react to it. So here's the problem they find themselves in right now. Their defensive tackles are doing diddly squat. Um, And that's part of the reason why they blitz a ton and can't get home, because nobody wins from the interior. Um, Their defensive tackles have six pressures. Now they've got five that have played snaps on the inside, right? So Jaqueline Roy has zero. Jonathan Bullard has zero. Dean Lowry has zero. Kyrus Tonga has zero. Harrison Phillips has six. And that's that's it. Compare that to Green Bay or San Francisco. They've got 36 pressures from their defensive tackles, that interior position. Six times the number of the Vikings. So the Vikings are a league low in defensive tackle pressures. How did we get here? How did we get to this spot? Well, stat number two. The Vikings are the only NFL team in 10 drafts to not draft a defensive tackle on days one or two. Everyone else has, not the Vikings. The pipeline is totally dry. They, they haven't injected any talent in that position. So you take flyers on Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes, Jalen Twyman, James Lynch, a lot of J names. Maybe take the J name thing out of the scouting report. Shamar Stefan. Hey. And that's their big Stefan's their biggest hit of all of them back in 14. Well, Daniil Hunter. 
But you're talking D tackles specifically, not just D line. Yes. D tackles. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. For sure. Yep. For sure. Interior yep. pass rush. Mm-hmm. Non-existent. Mm-hmm. BJ Dubose. Ten years. And now in those ten years, Luke, look at the top ten pressure producers at defensive tackle each year. Twenty-five different franchises are represented. They've had a top ten defensive tackle pass rusher. Twenty-five franchises have. The Vikings are one of the seven that have not. Haven't had a pressure-producing defensive tackle in ages. So they've used a lot of Band-Aids, right? Like they've tried Michael Pierce. Didn't really work out very well. Dallin Tomlinson was a nice piece for a couple of years. But these are also inefficient uses of money because they're spending a lot to try to hit on these you know, veteran defensive tackles for a year or two. And they sometimes produce, they sometimes don't. Dean Lowry, I mean, for what he's given them, which is nothing... That's a lot of money to be spending. So the point is, Luke, they just they, they've been so irresponsible in adding talent to that position cheaply in the draft that they've been forced to either play guys that aren't capable, like they are this year, or spend too much money on guys that have had mixed results. So what do you make of, of all of that I've just given you? Does it make sense why we are in the position we are with that interior rush? Can I ask you this? Not only the interior, but but going back 10 years, what a crazy mind-blowing stat, by the way. Have they drafted? a defensive end outside of Daniil Hunter in the top three rounds either. And and I, I do want to mention, going back 10 years, the last guy was Sharif Floyd, who we all still think they hit on the guy. Just a fluky freak injury, unfortunately, took him out uh, in his early playing days. So that was super unfortunate as well. And I only ask about the DN situation because – I think back to Rick Spielman, who was here for, gosh, almost 15 years, and try to get in the mindset of him. And sometimes there's a human element. And for him, it always felt like he hit on Everson Griffin in the fourth round. He hit on Brian Robeson in the fourth round. He hit on Daniil Hunter in the third round. At a certain point, you start to believe yourself and and start to think, hey, I can find these gems later on days maybe late two, early three, rounds four, five, six, something like that, because clearly I have a good track record and I'm good at it. Let me use these other early picks on other more premium positions and let me work my magic. Get your money's worth out of me and my scouting staff because I've proven I can find these guys later on. Problem is, it just didn't really happen. Outside of Daniel Hunter, after Everson and Brian Robeson, that was, gosh, what, 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago? It just didn't really happen again. Um, so that was another issue. But, yeah, I, I, maybe you can look that out. I was just curious. Outside of Daniel, the last 10 years, have they drafted a defensive end either? No, like- I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe they have. Uh, <laughs> so it's really the whole defensive line. You're, you're absolutely right. That's um, and, some, and sometimes when you hit on a guy like Daniel, you know, uh, it, sure. it's, it serves you for a long time. Sure. So maybe you don't have that need for a bit. But I would argue the Vikings have needs there as well because they don't have much behind Daniel at all. Right now, Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham haven't really panned out. And and to your whole point here, I mean, you know, let, let me circle back and kind of answer your question. Like, I don't want to toot my own horn. I mean, who's kidding who? More times than not, my hot takes don't have a great hit percentage. But when Quasey decided to sign Dean Laurie, and you, maybe you remember me kind of griping about this, a guy who your division rival, the Packers, didn't even want for cheap to replace a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah, it's a little bit of a rotation, but you know what I mean. I knew we were in trouble, man. Like, you sign him as a rotational guy, sure, no problem. I can live with that. I'm okay with that. But to come in and be a starter on any defense, 
I thought was a huge mistake right from the get-go. I've been thinking that since April when the ink was dry on that contract. So I'm not surprised between Dean Laurie trying to replace Dalvin Tomlinson, a guy like Jonathan Bullard, who's flashed in the run game this year, made that great play on fourth and one last week. Um, he's fine, right? But these are not high-end elite playmakers and guys that are going to be difference makers in the NFL. So I'm not surprised. I always thought it was curious the fact that so many people kind of glossed over the fact that the run defense and just trench game overall was already so bad last year. And then they go from Tomlinson to Laurie and Bullard. No one seemed to really make a fuss about it. I, I was just shocked. Like come draft time, mm -hmm. it was all about, are we going to draft an offensive lineman or a receiver or maybe a cornerback, or are we going to go crazy and draft a quarterback? Everyone was cool with the defensive line for the most part. Yeah, Kalaji can see. Maybe you'd see his name pop up on some mock drafts. But for the most part, I just couldn't believe how much we kind of glossed over this D-line. So the struggles so far through three weeks, Sam, are no surprise. I think the plan the whole time was always to bring in Brian Flores, let him dial up the blitzes and pressures to mask some of those issues. The problem so far through three weeks is not him dialing up the blitz. It's the fact that none of these guys, outside of Harrison Phillips, who has six of them, none of these guys have been able to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups. When you send the house, mm -hmm. you get one-on-one -on -one looks all of a sudden. Nobody's winning their one-on-one -on -one looks. Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham, you mentioned Bullard and, and Larry. You know, Jaqueline Royce starting to get in the rotation. We'll see if he can add a spark. But outside of Phillips... Nobody's really won on these one-on-one -on -one matchups. That's been the big issue, and that's one of the reasons you're seeing this blitz rate, even though it's so high by Flores, mm -hmm. not really work. It's been highly inefficient. They just don't have the playmakers or talent, Sam, and it goes back to exactly what you said. They don't have the playmakers or talent because they either haven't drafted the guys or he mm has -hmm. been in rebuild mode. He's had to let guys like Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson walk, and hopefully you know, next offseason those issues start to get attended to. Yeah, I will say that it's not all on it's mostly on Spielman, right? Cuz his, his sure. drafting became uh, I, yep. like a, a mad lib. You could predict exactly what he was going to do. Like, okay, um athletic cornerback in one of the first two rounds, uh a Big 10 tight end in the 5th round, flyer on a cornerback in the 7th round, defensive end in the 4th round. Like it was all very predictable. And he kind of got stuck in these loops where he never varied from that. And you just begged him sometimes, add, add real talent here, man. So Quazy's had this game of whack-a-mole where he's trying to plug all these holes and the misuse of resources that Spielman gave him. He inherited problems, so he can't do it all at once. And he's chosen to go budget at defensive tackle, it seems like, trying to do it at value. And it hasn't worked at all. But his judgment, even on the value moves, Hasn't been awesome. Like Armin Watts was a five sack guy under Zimmer the year before he got fired. Mm -hmm. And then they cut him loose to go, you know, right. start games for the Bears. And they trade for Ross Blacklock, who predictably wasn't anything. Signed Dean Lowry, who hasn't done anything. And then you've also got guys that flashed in the preseason, Luke, Sheldon Day and TJ Smith sitting on your practice squad. Seems like they, they they may have deserved more of a look and should get a look, I think, if this inferior play continues because you need something. You need something. Use one of your elevations and give them a shot because what it can't get worse. It can't get worse than what you've thrown out there thus far.
And what the one time last year, anyways, boy, and and we could spend an entire episode on nitpicking his first draft class, by the way, last year. But you, you finally throw a day three dart at a Sezi Otomewo. Didn't even make the team this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? right. That's not a hot take. Didn't even make the team this year after one year, fifth round pick. Come on, man. Uh, think about this too. Daniil Hunter, he's a free agent next year. I mean, I'm not saying that they can't bring him back and retain his services. I think a lot of people hope they do that. But uh, can you imagine this front seven all of a sudden without Daniil Hunter or this pass rush and defensive tackle rotation without Daniil Hunter next year too? Uh, things are going to look scary, man. I was pounding the table last year for Jordan Davis. Boring, nose tackle, two-down run stuffer. Nobody wants him. Not sexy, not fun, not flashy. Look at what he's doing with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And look at what Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth aren't doing right now. Like, like that is the difference between good and great teams sometimes is these early draft picks. That's the difference between great teams and elite teams sometimes is these early draft picks. And so far, Quasey, and you know, it's still early. It's only year two. But so far, Sam, Quasey's got a big old F on his first draft class ever. Yeah, it sure seems that way. Uh, good analysis, Luke. We appreciate that. Thank you to our everydayers who watch the show. Tomorrow, we'll be back with Arif Hassan, Luke Braun. Plenty to talk about. We'll make our parlay picks for the weekend. Ron Johnson will join us. Can't wait for that show with the full crew. Luke Inman, we call him Mr. Postcast. He is working overtime covering the postcast of all the teams right now. Post-game reactions to the Twins, the Gophers, the Vikings, and that includes Twins Athletics throughout the rest of this series. Gophers, Louisiana on Saturday, Vikings, Panthers on Sunday. So make sure you're checking out our post-game reactions here on YouTube or the audio on Locked on Sports Minnesota feed. Good work, Luke. My name's Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for watching and listening today on the Mailbag Edition of the Minnesota Football Party. Until next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.